1: call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The
2: Around the NFL podcast
0: is home for the holidays.
2: Whether we want to be or not, it's the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Dan Hansis, joined in a virtual room filled with some heroes, Greg Rosenthal, mark Sessler. it is the day after christmas it's something called boxing day over uh yonder in the uk so uh happy holidays to everyone and um how are you boys as we head into the week 16 flagship program whoa do you know what boxing day is Mm. no
3: all right so um It's basically, you know, charts back to ancient England, not ancient, but way back when, where like rich people or owners of servants would box up gifts um, for their underlings uh, who had nothing, no possessions of their own, so that those people could go back to their, you know, I'm assuming small huts in a, you know, problematic village um, with gifts for their own family would be given by the um, ruling class to the not ruling class. That's as much as Mm. I know.
2: Wow. Sounds like, uh, sounds special. Mark, how are you, buddy? What's going on? Because uh, we were, you know, going into week 16, you felt really good about the Browns beating the Packers. And then you also locked up the Cardinals over the Colts. So on Christmas, you had a lot tied up into NFL action. And it all went to hell. And of course, everyone is wondering the same thing uh, is Mark going to be okay? Uh, how are you right now? I feel like this is now becoming a weekly check-in because some things have just kind of snowballed on the, on the quiet storm lately. Where are you at, buddy?
3: Well, I'm the underling that got a box um, to go give to my family from some (laughs) sort of superior being that hates me um, on some level when it comes to football, I am annoyed. um, But what's happened um, over the last, uh, I would say since last Monday until this moment um, in terms of football results, I'm here for the listener to be as professional and plugged in as possible, but in, in terms of my own um, results bringing me any enjoyment at this point, I, I couldn't be uh, more far removed from um, wishing for anything at this point because it seems to be every time I get, uh, you know, amped up about A, B, or C, A, B, or C get totally taken apart in every possible way, in embarrassing ways on national television. So I am done with A, B, and C.
4: mm I don't know if it's better or worse that, you know, these games happened yesterday on Saturday. We're taping of course Sunday night the flagship show. That would have been that would have been a fiery Sessler, um but I don't know if he would look as, you know, trim and fit in a nice new Christmas sweater that he got. So I think we got the better version of Sessler tonight.
2: That's true. Do, do should we just share a few of the Sessler Christmas night texts uh tweets before we get going? That's fun. It's always fun oh, to check right. in with Dark Sessler. Uh, it starts with uh, Dark Xmas distan- Descends. That was uh, when he believed that the Browns would take out the Packers. He, a photo of himself from the early 90s or 80s. That's par for the course. Bring this nerd a gift, Santa. And then it starts to turn. I believe in no human rules now. Uh, Sheck makes a um, critical Baker Mayfield tweet. Uh, Sessler quote retweets Your QB is a fat ancient uh some type of star trek reference frees me in carbonite until 2030 no
3: that is not a that uh we we don't to get into that but that is an incorrect assumption on your part but for john uh, uh
2: boring that's a tweet christmas is evil that's a tweet <laughs> everything is boring slash prosaic every day is dull flavorless what little joys existed were dreams uh desire the cardinals to win yet done requesting anything from the biggest season ever Uh, Then beyond feelings for any team, some gray, functional and vaguely healthy operation will win the Super Bowl. And then finally, in all caps, and there has not been a a tweet since, wicked over all things. Okay, so there's Mark. That's where he's at as we begin today's show. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody. Let's get into the action starting. with Oh, this is not good for Mark either. Let's head to Foxborough. You are loving it. (laughs) I'm loving it. Josh Allen going to go shotgun to snap. Keeps it
5: himself. Josh flings it to Dawson Knox. Touchdown. Touchdown, Buffalo. They're headed to the exits now here in Foxboro. The Bills score a touchdown. Josh Allen to Dawson Knox for the touchdown.
2: Oh, John Murphy with the call. WGR. Josh Allen threw three touchdown passes. Isaiah McKenzie had a career-high 11 catches. Micah Hyatt had two interceptions, and the Bills hung on to beat the Patriots 33-21 puts Buffalo back in first place in the AFC East. Uh, They have the tiebreaker. Uh, Greg, the Bills waited three weeks for their chance at sweet revenge over the Pats, and they got it
4: in a huge moment in their season. I wondered this week, could Josh Allen just step up in a moment like this and be the guy that, that Bills fans say he is, a top five guy who can just take over a game? And that was who he was. I mean, the first drive of the game... He has a third and 11. It is a running theme for the day. Hits Isaiah McKenzie where he's calm, under pressure. He's making plays from the pocket. He's making plays off structure, out of the pocket. But after the game, you know, what the Patriots defenders all said was how controlled he was. They played a zone defense, which is a little overconfident that they could cover these guys, I think, in zone because the Bills were down a couple receivers and it backfired because Allen played like a veteran who has been there uh, before. And the Patriots defense, which has gotten a a lot of love throughout the season, but I think has has real holes, was totally toothless. They did not force a punt. That is the first time a Bill Belichick coached team Uh, has failed to force a punt in over uh, 400 games his entire career. They could have played four more quarters. It wouldn't have mattered. The Bills would have scored or come close to it every time they had the ball, and the Bills really could have won this game, I think, by three or four scores. It it was remarkable that it it had a chance for the Patriots midway through the fourth quarter.
3: Every time I looked up, they were moving the chains. I mean, they were 6-for-12, Buffalo on third down, three for four on fourth downs, Josh Allen making huge, absolutely massive throws and big plays with his legs. And so, you know, we looked at this series between the two as obviously the biggest in the division, but one of the biggest in the AFC over the last month. And, you know, it's 1-1 at this point, and I'd love to see them play again. But Buffalo totally answered, and this is why you go get Josh Allen and you extend him the way you did financially because of games like this I couldn't be more impressed with what he performed. How he performed!
2: My goodness the this game, and we talked about it on Thursday. Leading into this, this meant so much to Buffalo because this was a season where they were heavily favored in the division, uh, where things got off to a good start, and then they started to struggle. They had some ups and downs, and then the season kind of bottomed out uh, in that ter- on that terrible uh, windy night. Uh, in Buffalo where they lost that narrow game to the Patriots and after the game, you could tell the anger and frustration was just pouring out of Bill's players as they were forced to answer questions about what a genius Bill Belichick was and how the Patriots had had their number once again. So you could, you could sense that this was either going to make or break their season. I really believe that going into this game. So now that they go and they deliver this huge performance, it once again kind of recalibrates what I think about the Bills, where I'm like, okay, this team can come out of the AFC because they showed so much. There's so much metal, and I think that last drive where they sealed the game and it uh, ended uh, on the uh, touchdown, the flip to Dawson Knox that we heard. I mean, that was such an onions drive uh, by the whole team. This is a team that was missing guys uh, to convert on those third downs. That place was going absolutely bonkers, converted on the fourth down. And Allen just made huge play after huge play after huge play. It says so much about the Bills. It really did.
4: And it, it ran for 64 yards, too. There, there were so many ways the Bills won this game. I think the most disheartening for the Patriots would be that the Bills O-Line won. And the Bills O-Line has been a bit of a disaster in their losses this year. They were also short a couple starters and lost one during the game. And... Matthew Judon, and this is why you got to like watch every week. And you know, some stories that are stories early in the season are taken away later. He's been totally invisible the last month. I for and they are not the same team when he is invisible. Barmore had a couple pressures today, but for the most part, the O line for Buffalo was winning. Uh, the D line for the Bills won enough, and so they they won up front. And they came into this game like looking to take it. You mentioned the fourth downs, Dan. You know, they they go for a fourth down early on fourth and goal, hit it. Uh, they come up short on another fourth and goal later, and then they get three other times. The two teams in this game combined for eight for ten. I I really don't put this on the Patriots' offense much at all. I know the Mac Jones numbers look bad, but if if you just look at the game, they had the ball seven times before garbage time. They scored touchdowns on three of those seven drives. The, the way that the Patriots' defense was playing, they could have played this 10 times, and the Bills' offense was just like the unit. The, the Patriots are not built uh, to, to play in a game like this where they got to score 35.
3: I, I think that the Sean McDermott decision to go for it <clears throat> on fourth down from the one-yard line on the third possession, they really essentially scored every time after that, other than it, you know, seconds left in the half and then the very end of the game. I mean, that set the tone. That set the tone, and, and this was a demoralizing loss when it happened on Monday night, and I think it took some shine off of the Sean McDermott uh, era, in a sense, where they've just been kind of going up, up and building, and it was like, wait a minute, you might be right back where you started against the Patriots team that seems to be ascending faster than you do. So I'm with you that it, uh, that it resets kind of what you think about Buffalo. Um, I would love to see them again. I, I know it's, uh, it's, it's almost at this point um, we want to take the Patriots and say, well, that was cute. But we don't believe in you. But I still do believe that New England could give them a formidable, an interesting test that they played And, one, and they time. could.
4: The, the Bills have the Falcons and the Jets the next two week in Buffalo. It's hard to imagine the Bills e- losing either one of those games. They win the AFC East if they win both of those games. The Patriots probably just need to beat the Jaguars next week to get a wild card. And so uh, they could play. But I think one reason why I like the – the underlying numbers of the Bills all season has been so good. It's like they've won nine games now by the mi- a minimum of 12 points each. <laughs> I know I know the competition and their losses like they've beaten mostly bad teams but that is just outrageous. That is more wins by 12 points or more than the entire Derek Carr era in in Oakland and Las Vegas for instance. That's a 9 year span. Like that is it is rare what they are doing when they are winning. So they have it in them to play better and now they are. Well when their their
3: point differential is the highest for a Bills team since that 1990 Super Bowl team. So to your point, yes, they've had some clunkers too. I mean I Th- this helps if they can stay this consistent. I'm in, but th- it's not, it doesn't wipe away every sin from the past
2: on any level. So, all teams have sins, there's ups and downs, and now the bills are going up again. I don't, th- I don't dismiss the Patriots, I never did. Um, but I think there was a, a rush to judgment to crown the Patriots. Uh, especially after that game as this division now runs through New England again. And it just goes to show you the Bills, when the Bills are right, I think they're the best team in the division. I think they're the most talented team. But if they did meet again in the playoffs, I I think it's a coin flip game because I think they're very close ultimately. uh, And today was just uh, Buffalo's day. Uh, By the way, the the bravest performance uh, in this game was not Josh Allen going down the field or Isaiah McKenzie being – just absolutely a monster in the slot. Cole Beasley
4: lost his job today. You know, you got to you got to keep Mackenzie in there.
2: Yeah, if only Cole Beasley could have done something to perhaps avoid just... uh, giving this guy an opportunity. But uh, the real brave performance uh, that came out of Foxborough happened after the game during the post game presser. Uh, somebody's. I don't know, mom, I don't know who it was, wandered into the press conference and had this question for Bill Belichick.
6: Hi, um, football aside, sorry,
3: but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers?
7: Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. Maybe next week.
2: (laughs) That was actually a little sweet, Belichick's comment at the end there. Maybe next week, <laughs> right? I mean, how he, did she get in for that? If she claimed,
4: if she alerted them, that oh, she's. That was a, I mean, I don't yeah.
2: imagine she's around anymore.
4: Total subterfuge. I mean, uh, yeah, they. Don't, I don't think they asked the questions. You know, you don't have to screen them ahead of time. That that was a wild answer. Uh, but Belichick's answers to all the legitimate, legitimate football questions were no different or no longer. He he really, I think, can't these losses. It's like the. Like someone has sucked all the air and life out of his body, and I think of that Parcells quote: "I have no mental defense for losing anymore as I get older." And, and I think it's like he's like a carcass on, and he and he knows it too. That's why he apologized last week about it. And it's almost like there's nothing he can do anymore when when there's games. Why, Greg, like why this.
3: do you sound so delighted with a smirk on your
4: face when you say that about oh, your head coach? He's not my head coach. I'm not not delighted. He isn't. I just think it's. It's fascinating. I've seen it before, but I think he's at this point in his career uh where it's tough. It makes me it makes me wonder like he lo- he loves it, but man, he the losing I think is so hard on him. It, I, have, I mean, uh, not as hard as it is on Mark right now. I Mark's yeah. face while Dan was talking before I, is like the face. You guys get on me for making faces when we're on when we do these uh, you know, remote shows. Mark's face was next level. It still is. I know no, this, is a, this is a tough list loss. Is like remark. games
3: that I don't want to discuss. <laughs> it's like it's
4: like you like a normal if
3: in a normal. I would world, love to move on to the next game, I would go game, be a right. sleeping I, bag right I now. I would too. If nothing else, point. I
4: think it should give Patriots fans some comfort that they got they got mollywopped in all three areas. There wasn't like a like oh we could have won that or they were a better team. Like they they were clearly an inferior team in a lot of ways. Doesn't mean they have to be. You know, if they okay. make the
2: playoffs, it could change. It's like twelve more games to talk about. By the way. That's the only
4: one that mattered. Today. And my
2: and my one-word response, or maybe it's two, to Bill Belichick suffering through losses is boo-hoo. <laughs> I Next. just mean he might be done. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. Go be Rich Kotite for a season or two and see how that feels. To Saturday night.
5: He's back to pass. Wentz looking, looking, pump steps up in the pocket, moving left, throws back to the end zone, and it is caught. A sliding catch in the back of the end zone for the touchdown. Desmond Patton.
2: That was Ryan Radke. Westwood won. Carson went through two touchdown passes, including that brilliant strike, and it was brilliant to Desmond Patman in the fourth quarter. Jonathan Taylor ran for 108. And the banked up Colts continued their surge with a 22 16 win over the fading Cardinals. Uh, The Colts have now won three straight, six of seven. They're nine and six. They got the win despite. Darius Leonard going to the COVID list earlier on Saturday. They were missing four offensive starting linemen. Uh, Another got hurt during the game. And after the game, Greg, Frank Wright called it. This is one of the said this is one of the best team wins I've ever been a part of considering everything. I'm sure there are some other good ones, but this is up there. I get it. This was a this was a special win on Christmas night.
4: It it was incredible. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. I mean, there's nothing else you can say when you win nine of 10, whatever their streak is, especially the way they've done it the last two weeks. When When I heard that Quentin Nelson was out and three of their interior offensive linemen, and then Darius Leonard's added to the mix, it ends up being eight starters. I just didn't think they would have enough. And yet, like the offensive line held up really well. Uh Arizona, other than a couple big plays and a return, like was really struggling. This Colts team to me is just so well coached. When you when you start to shut down one part of their uh offense, Jonathan Taylor, for most of the game, the passing game was enough on Saturday. And it's worth remembering, like, the Cardinals were similarly shorthanded, and I, I sort of lost track of that. That like three of their four best offensive players, Rondell Moore. Uh, I mean, Rodney Hudson, James Conner, DeAndre Hopkins are all gone. And then you throw in more. It's like they're not the same team that they were earlier in the season. But unlike Indianapolis, they seem to be a little lost right now, like game management, all sorts of issues where they just don't look like a well-coached team.
3: It, it's it's weeks in a row for Arizona where they've seemed discombobulated at key moments um, and it's it's synced up with Kyler Murray's return. But I think the Rodney Hudson loss has led to, in each one of these games, and it happened last night, a totally botched snap that creates total chaos. I mean, the Cardinals, like, they earlier on in the year, they maybe they're just a summertime warm-weather warm team, and they're, and they're not built for late in the year because this is, you know, under Cliff Kingsbury, this has been characteristic. But early in the season, I thought they overcame mistakes because they were powerful and they were, they were mighty, and they were able to do what they wanted to on both sides of the ball, and, and all metrics showed that. But now they're the team where if you're going to get Matt Prater melting down um, and Kyler Murray making mistakes, you know, he's, he's an MVP candidate as of a couple weeks ago, not now, because he is magical to watch and does incredible things. And there were moments of that last night too, but there are too many plays left on the field. And, you know, we're a week away from Carson Wentz creating all sorts of questions with a five-completion game. I saw Carson Wentz last night and thought, they can win the Super Bowl with this guy if he plays this way.
2: Mm. That was my like takeaway. Uh, and he's do- it's happened before this season. And I know he's not a steady quarterback and necessarily one you could absolutely trust. But sometimes he'll flash that 2017 Carson Wentz. Uh, and, and if that guy gets hot and that guy sticks around, I agree. There is no ceiling on this team. This is a Super Bowl-level team. And on the game ceiling drive, he made – three huge plays. He had a second and 17 uh conversion uh that um moved the chains in a big spot. He had a deep sh- a deep shot downfield, a dime to TY Hilton, and then that throw again, you heard it uh, to begin the conversation, but I, yeah, that's one of the best throws of the year. Like in with the pass rush coming in on him, moving with his feet, dropping down sidearm and then throwing a perfectly placed strike to the back of the end zone where only his receiver can get it like that wasn't a throw he was making in Philadelphia the last couple of years. And when you look at his road stats and and after Tennessee's big win um, earlier this week, they're going to win that division. So the Colts are probably going to the playoffs and they're going to be on the road. Carson Wentz has 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions, a passer rating of over uh, 100 on the road. He is not a liability, or at least he wasn't uh, last night.
4: (laughs) No, but even that game, he was pretty up and down. Like you didn't come until that last drive in which he was sensational. And you're right. It was one of his best moments in in a long time. He, He was he was struggling but what he wasn't doing was killing them and you had to like kind of keep the context of the game in mind like they lost jack doyle and eric fisher to injuries in that game two more starters on top of everything i said coming in so their ability to adjust it's funny because i remember that uh that colts loss the the colts media even like great good colts media like was really getting hard on frank reich and they were starting to talk about next season at two and five it is it is crazy how long these seasons are it is a reminder like this this won't happen too often but at least one or two teams have years like this where you start that poorly and now they are they are the proverbial team no one wants to face in the playoffs if you if you win a division and you got to play the colts first week of the playoffs that's not going to. And be the
3: fun. colts or they, the cardinals feel like the reverse of that well I, they looked invincible for months on end and I was wooed by them entirely, and, and now I'm not certain that they aren't one and done if, if the environment isn't perfect for them in the playoffs. I mean, they've clinched the a spot. They backed into a playoff spot.
2: Yes, the Cardinals will be in the playoffs, but they are watching the division float away, uh, which seemed inconceivable a couple of weeks ago in the Colts. Yes, like we're saying, started 0-3, and now they're 9-6, and and that is pretty damn good. All right, let's now move to the second It's going to be the show will get better, Mark, once we get through these first three games. That's the only thing we could promise you. Let's move to the second uh, game that was played on Christmas. It was actually played earlier in the day, it was in Lambeau Field.
5: Mayfield shotgun fades back, throws middle, intercepted, picked off by Rasul Douglas at the 40. He's down near midfield. The fourth interception by the Packer defense today, the second for. And that will cement the day for Green Bay. 43 seconds to go. Packer ball up two.
2: John Sadak with a call for Westwood one. On the day that Aaron Rodgers surpassed Brett Favre to become Green Bay's all-time leader in touchdown passes, it was the Packers' defense that Saved the day in the end. Rasul Douglas with that interception on a Baker Mayfield pass. It was the fourth interception by Mayfield in the Packers' 24-22 win over the Browns. Cleveland nearly came back from a 12-point second-half deficit before the Douglas INT. An INT that probably should have been a defensive holding call, it should be said. But there was no flag, and that was the game with 43 seconds to play. Mark, the Packers aren't closing well lately, but they keep winning.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think of the Bears game we watched a couple of weeks ago, where it, you know Chicago kept making big plays and hanging around until Green Bay broke it open. There's the fact that you know they nipped Baltimore a week ago, and then this Browns game. And I, you know, I, they're just a the, the Packers are a rugged team with star players. They're well coached. They know how to win these games, and and the the opponent did not. And I mean, it, it's the, for the Browns. I thought it was a killer loss because it's one of those defeats where a Your season is on the brink. Um, We don't believe in you anymore. You can't close games in real time, but it also leaves you with lingering poisonous thoughts about the future of that team because your quarterback, big spot after big spot, week after week, month after month this season is not showing up and is killing them. And and I know that that Rasul Douglas final pick um, was controversial. I thought it was a hold, but I don't really even care because the other three interceptions we're hideous, and and Baker Mayfield has not seen the field at all. Um, it, the other thing is, look at you have Nick Chubb playing out of his mind. He has not looked great against stack boxes a couple weeks in a row. He was on fire yesterday. I, I think that it raises questions about Kevin Stefanski's play calling in the clutch too. It just left it left me with so many bad tastes in my mouth um, about this season, this team. It's been you know I know it's like oh you could go be a Jaguars fan. It's much worse, I guess. But there's just we're in these different worlds. We're like. The team, the team is so has been, has been as frustrating an okay team that I can recall Browns wise in my entire life. I mean, they just they cannot close games. They're gritty enough to hang around, and then they break your heart. And the Packers do the reverse. I mean, they are just they understand how to manage a regular season.
4: I can't believe they closed the game with five straight bigger throws. Though. Absurd! It was just crazy. It was crazy. When you know, I, I picked the Browns to win too. I you know I I thought when they got the ball with two oh three left. I was like, they're going to win this game because you don't even need Baker to do anything. They're going to win this game, handing the ball off and maybe throwing a screen play screen pass. And the only nervous part in my mind then was like, will their kicker make or miss the kick? And it's like, I I didn't know if, you know, how close can they get it for him? I just had no question the way their offensive line missing again, three starters uh, was handling Green Bay. I thought they were handed a, a beautiful gift with Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the league, dropping a, a, a wonderful throw by Rodgers or else the Browns maybe aren't in that spot. And I'm like, and, and that's how the drive started. You know, they, they run it a couple times. Baker did hit one throw at third and six. But even the, even one of his throws there was like well behind the receiver. And I I just couldn't believe that they ended the game with three straight throws from Baker Mayfield, the way he was playing and the way they were running. They had plenty of time. They had timeouts. Baker was two for nine. On throws over 10 yards, he was two for nine for 21 yards and three interceptions. And it's just like he wasn't playing well. Like, And you didn't need him to play well. It, it really drove me crazy the way Stefanski handled the end of that it,
2: game. It did make me think, you know, as you're talking about it right now, I'm thinking about uh, the previous Saturday when, Carson went through that terrible interception against the Patriots. And Frank Reich was like, okay, I'm taking the ball out of my quarterback's hands. And I think if there's a big difference is like, I think Stefanski just fully believes in Baker. I think that coaching staff uh, still sees Mayfield as a difference maker. And I just think there's enough data now where it's like Baker's just a guy. I don't think Baker's a bad quarterback, but he's certainly not a great quarterback. And on a day like this, when he already had the three first half interceptions and he threw another one right into the breadbasket of a Packers defender that was dropped. It was just like if there was ever a day like you guys just saying, just feed it to Chubb, who's just running through arm tackles uh, all game. Matt LaFleur said. Uh, after the game, it was their worst tackling game of the year. They were ready to go down. So that is, yeah, that's that's a frustration. But I mean, ultimately, it does make you think the, the Browns have two division games here to to clean things up and maybe get a playoff spot. And it, even though it seems unlikely, what is the future with Baker Mayfield? Like, are these games changing perhaps the perception of where he's at? We'll have time to talk about that. But it's hard not to think about it after. Games I mean, it's a like referendum these. season. Yes.
3: I think it. Tot- I think everything has totally changed. And 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 you can talk about his shoulder, the health, his overall health. But, I mean, some of this just goes
4: beyond Kurt, that. Kurt Warner made a really good point, you know, just pointing out sort of how he wasn't opening up his shoulder when he was throwing to his left. And that's what a great, like, analysis can do. They showed it, and you could see it. Like, his sh- his left shoulder was just totally dead. And so his feet's facing one way, his arms throwing the other. And that, that was, like, one of his uh, missed throws. So that, that did get me thinking. Like, it is a factor for him throwing the left, but a lot of it's just, like, Bad decision. So then, a,
2: don't right. play him. Right. then. That's right. What, I mean, it's right. just and like I, I found myself point, thinking. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't Case, tell right. me about the shoulder if you
3: keep I think running they won him that out game I was Case thinking Kane they win that game I really with do. Nick Mullins. That
4: game was there. They for the They win that taking. game with Nick
3: Mullins playing the way he did last year, last week. It's just like I, he cost them the game. And if he's not
4: physically there, People's he Jones also like make a play, People's Jones. I mean, there's a. It's like. I don't like it on Twitter where it's like, no, it was that call's fault, or no, it's Baker's fault. It's like it can be, it can be everyone's fault. That said, all right, here's the scenario, Mark. Uh, they know, play Monday know, Night Football next week. Okay, next week. <laughs> it's not, it's that not complicated, complicated. But though. it's not
3: deserved. It's not it's deserved. not complicated.
4: I'm just saying, okay, next Sunday the Bengals can go win the division if they beat the Chiefs. But if the Chiefs win that game, and if the Rams beat the Ravens on Sunday, two likely results, then the Browns play the Steelers Monday night with a chance to force a winning in game. Browns beat the Steelers. Then it's winning in Bengals Browns AFC North uh, title game. You would assume they'd make that the Sunday night football game in week 18. That is all very realistic. I think the hardest part is the Browns winning two games.
2: What about the Mark's heart? Are we worried about Mark's heart? If two more primetime games with that much (laughs) at stake, potentially, I don't know if we need that. We want to keep Mark around for the long haul here. I, I get what's happening with the
3: NFL. It's like your team is 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 raging junk in late <laughs> December, but hey, you're still around and you still have a mathematical chance. I don't care. You you've you've earned nothing. I go if you go do it, I'll hang around. But it's like I you, there's nothing that I see visually that tells me they're a playoff team on any level right now, and I'm not going to get all jazzed up about
2: it. All right, the Packers move to twelve and three. They are in command. Um, of that number one seed and the buy that comes with it. And, oh, yes, they're also undefeated at home, Uh, even if that looked like it was in doubt there. uh, But the defense stepped up. All right, we're going to take a break, then get Nick Shook on the line up next. You go into
0: your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.
5: And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings.
1: To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit Lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart.
5: Burr out of the gun, catches the Hopkins snap, fires downfield, Whoa. caught on the run. Go TV! Boyd sprinting down the middle of the field to the 20, the 10, yeah. the 5. Whoa, does a center baby. salt Woo. into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals! <laughs> 68 yards Burrow to Boyd.
2: Welcome back. Dan Horde, Dave Lappin, go nuts in the Cincinnati Bengals. uh, Play-by-play box, WCKY with the call. Joe Burrow is a bad man. The baddest man. The second-year QB set a franchise record with 525 yards passing. And the Bengals rolled to a 41-21 win over the COVID and injury-decimated Ravens. We now welcome in Nick Shook the pipe hey pipe we are all witnesses
8: yeah you're telling me hold on let me let me mute this real quick so i don't get oh, the yeah. email the pipe's oh, ready word. to roll nah, you like that uh <laughs> we are all witnesses you know i was making this argument the other day i don't even remember to who it was but i'm i'm thinking or i'm saying you know joe burrow i think is a, a few more steps away from entering like Borderline elite category in this league, just speak from what I've seen this year. This was like the culmination of that, and not getting in the Pro Bowl and everything else, and the Ravens not having anybody except warm bodies in their secondary left. It all came together, and he just lit them up all afternoon. Teamed up with this, you know, two young uh, targets and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. It was a dominant performance from them. You know, I mean, we know what the Ravens are trotting out offensively, but with, man, when the Bengals had the ball, they were lighting it up, and they look pretty strong right now.
4: Joe Burrow set the all-time record for number of yards against a particular team in a season. I love that stat. He had 941 yards against the Ravens <laughs> this year. They put up a 40-burger on him twice. Uh, the Wesseling brothers locked it up early in the week in their defense. They didn't know it would be Josh Johnson starting. Uh, I don't know. This, this is Absolutely seismic either. stuff. When you, a, when you have a quarterback like Burrow, Everything changes he's absolutely i i don't know what elite means or like like where that line is, but this season i think he's been a top five quarterback i i would have him fifth right now you know he's somewhere between four and seven depending on how you like it and that is an incredible realization for a second year quarterback who's who's just so in control of every situation he's in that's what impresses me the most
3: i do think that um aditi pointed something out interesting about this that the way that they destroyed Pittsburgh a couple weeks back that got on my radar big time, basically using the run to destroy the Steelers. But two times against the Ravens, it's been these massive plays through the air. I mean, these are division opponents that have dominated Cincinnati forever. I think it's fair though. We have to note that the Ravens were down to like one of their top eight cornerbacks. Not that the Cincinnati wouldn't have just flat out won this thing anyways, because I look back at the, the matchup is not good for Baltimore, but this is one of those losses or you know showdowns in general, where we kind of forget you know weeks from now what Baltimore has has been dealing with and was dealing with in this game. I mean they're just not functional in let a me, secondary.
2: Let me to just uh, back up what you're saying there, Cessler. The. The Ravens, the walls fell in on the Ravens in this game, and this has been something that's been happening for the past month as I think a lot of factors have uh, led to where they're at now, which is they are a below-average NFL team at this point, and you're seeing it with the results. They went into this game, Shook, with 33 players either either on IR or the COVID-19 restricted list. Thirty-three players. I mean, no team, I don't care who it is, will survive that. And we were trying to talk ourselves into the Ravens like, well, they've always had history on their side with these AFC North have nots.
4: And, and Tyler Huntley,
2: he he's been I mean, playing. they were a two
4: point conversion away and all the same people were gone last week from beating the Packers. So that that's why you Tyler know?
2: Huntley was shaping up as a guy who could step in and handle things. And then he gets coveted out of the scenario. And it's just like sometimes it's just not your year. And yes, while you have to temper that when you factor in the dominance of the Bengals, that's a part of this story that. The Ravens, it's almost unprecedented what's happened to them this year.
8: Yeah, and you have to give them credit for the fight that they've had. I mean, they, they were fighting throughout this game and they had it at a ten point game just before half, and then the Bengals scored one more time to extend their lead. They battled and they've been battling through all of this all season, and, and like Mark's or like Greg said, you know, they nearly beat the Packers. It's just how many losses can you take? I think I wrote in the, the what we learned for this. I think we're below critical mass for them. Like, I just think that they've suffered so many losses that this was the one, like this was the week where it was just they too the Rams much to overcome. Week. You know, they, yeah. could,
4: they, they have a clear path to the wild card if they went two and O, but that would include beating the Rams, much less, you know, the Steelers in week 18. And it's just hard for to imagine them beating a team like this, but still like those plays Higgins is making. It's like, you can, it doesn't matter. I, I know he's taller than wh- whoever they're putting in for Baltimore. It's like T Higgins is a great, NFL receiver and Mixon is a great running back and Chase is a great receiver and it's like these players are great so I just think it's almost like the the rest the coaches and everything else they just got to not get in the way.
2: Here's here's how you get to 525 yards receiving, by the way. T. Higgins, 12 for 194, two touchdowns on 13 targets. He's over 1,000. On Remember
4: targets. when he was quiet earlier this season, yep. like six or seven games Jamar He's over 1,000 now.
2: who just got picked for the Pro Bowl, seven for 125 on 10 targets. Tyler Boyd, three for 85 and a touch on five targets. Joe Mixon, six for 70 and a touch on six targets. CJ Uza- Uzama, five for 36. Drew Sample, two for nine. Samarjay Piran, two for six. Who added up 37 receptions, 525 yards, 14 yards per uh, catch, four touchdowns, and it all came from Joe Burrow, who I'm with you, Shook. I think when I have to do my Superstar Club column later this spring, uh, it's time to put Joe in there because he's just shown it all year long.
8: Yeah, I, th- I thought the whole he's not making the Pro Bowl because he leads the league in interceptions thing was kind of unfair. And I, I'm going to take this moment right here to stump for this because this is, you know, we have a, a billion advanced metrics now, right? Well, let's introduce earned and unearned interceptions because Ooh, like a good it. amount of Joe Burrow's interceptions have not been earned. Baseball has it with pitchers, why can't we do it with quarterbacks? I think mm, if you took like that, that into account, his Pro Bowl case becomes a lot stronger. He's well, going to be there before. Well, long. Plus
4: it was Lamar who just didn't yeah. deserve it over him. And Mahomes didn't either if you had but Mahomes is at least you could make the case. It's absurd
3: we yep. don't have that metric, that statistic at this point it's you're totally sure, you right. got
4: the platform
2: it's a 15 billion dollar company company you got some juice right now yeah you're uh, in with the
4: happen, stats cabin. you are the next gen stats guy just start saying it as if it is an official stat and we'll the issue with is it.
8: you and you need like visual judgment you can't just use tracking data for it you need to be like oh jamar chase dropped that pass into an interception which he did this year once
2: Well, Chris Collinsworth has made a billion dollars off PFF, and that's just watching the stats and putting numbers to it. Hey, before we move on, one of the things that we like about Joe Burrow is that he's got a little, like, piss and vinegar to him. He's got a little moxie to him, and uh, he didn't take too kindly to Wink Martindale, the defense coordinator of the Ravens, kind of, you know, having a little fun at his expense, uh, saying let's not put a gold jacket on Joe Burrow just yet leading into this game. Well, after 525, he was asked about that.
0: I didn't think it was a necessary comment. I wouldn't say I was offended by it. I mean, I'm in year two. Who knows what's going to happen down the road, but I didn't think it was a necessary comment.
5: Was it on your mind when you were throwing at the end for 525? (coughs)
0: Maybe.
2: (laughs) He's wearing a Santa hat while saying all this. They were throwing in the fourth quarter as he was tallying up those yards. A Very, very uh, fun team to watch. Good for the Wessling brothers. I wish Chris Wessling was here, uh, obviously, for so many reasons. But to to just hear his thoughts on these Bengals and where they're at right now. And maybe, just maybe, we could have gotten them back to the Bengals with this team and this quarterback. Ah, Fate said otherwise all right we got one more game with shookie uh let's head to philly
8: back again goes glennon and the
5: pass is intercepted running down the sideline alex singleton and he is in for a second nfl touchdown
2: Merrill Reese with a call WIP. Jalen Hurts threw a five-yard touchdown to Lane Johnson. And linebacker Alex Singleton returned an interception for a touchdown. The Eagles continued their push for the playoffs with a 34-10 win over the moribund New York Giants. Shooky, like uh, last Tuesday, the Eagles got out of the gate slow but turned it on against an inferior division opponent.
8: Yeah, probably could have had a lot more points this game if they would have stopped shooting themselves in the foot in the first half, which... If they hope to sneak into the playoffs, you know, win out and sneak into the playoffs, they're gonna they're gonna have to clean that up. But second half, they turned it on, and even after losing Miles Sanders, they still found a way to rush for 130 plus. I mean, this is the league's best rushing team in terms of total yards, and and they found a way to do it again. They're fun. I mean, they're, they they're fun to watch just because they got these young guys running around. Jalen Hurst is a fun quarterback to watch. I love the rapport that he's developing with Devontae Smith, and he's not the only guy in that uh, receiving core. Jalen Rager's kind of a fun punt returner to watch. I mean, it's it's an it's an enjoyable team to watch and against a, a, a Giants. Some pop. <laughs> <laughs> well, not as a receiver, but you know, uh, and 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 it's against the Giants team that you know Joe Judge can tell you during the week all he wants. The change has it's happened. We've turned the corner, and we're going to show it. Well, they're so far from showing it right now. I know they had to play Jake Fromm. And they, Fromm was so bad, they went to Mike Glennon in the second half. Um, oh, my it, God, really? You just can't wait to get to the, to for, the off season. For
2: performance team. reasons, they went away from the rookie in a game that meant nothing? For, Don't you want to just get a look at it for yeah, better or please worse? Please
4: explain to me how um Jake Fromm's, like, 20 dropbacks for 25 yards
8: looked just with your eyes. One <laughs> <laughs> of the next-gen stats we pulled? It was uh, Jake Fromm had, was one for five, and in, in, I can't remember the exact scenario, for negative two yards. That's the kind of offense it was. Six I for mean,
4: 17 for 25 yards is something you don't see too often. That doesn't even yeah, count the sack it, it was really, And, she and she then
8: took. he threw a pick uh, to start the third quarter that set the Eagles up for their first touchdown of the day. And from there, they were rolling, and Fromm was done for the day, and Joe Judge had had enough. I mean, it's just two very uneven teams un- Dan, un- uneven I know that
3: nice you right like, look at the Dolphins worst to first type scenario not first place but they they're surging back after a terrible start. Sure. The Eagles were 2 and 5 they're now 8 and 7. I find it easier to believe in this team than Miami. Uh just because they seem like if they got into the wild card and and, and they're headed there at this point, you know, barring a collapse, they're just dangerous. They've never had a rushing attack franchise wide. This is a historical franchise since 1949. They need to clean up the penalties a little bit. Seems to linger in, in a lot of these games for them. But they're just explosive. their first half they were suppressed, and then it totally went wild in the third and fourth quarter:
2: We, we talked about it on the Friday TV show and you should everyone should check out. It airs on Saturday on NFL Network. They around the NFL broadcast that, yeah, that Philly is great up front. And they got a they have a, a quarterback who can make plays with his legs. I, I guess it comes down to like can he make enough throws? Uh, and shook. I'm curious where you're at on his development as a passer so far because they absolutely I agree with you, Mark. If they get into the dance, they profile as a team that could pick off a favorite.
8: He he looks like a second year quarterback at times. I mean, there's you know a goal to go third goal to go situation where. You know, if he waits a beat longer, he might find a guy open the end zone where he targets a guy because he's right crossing right in front of him. You know, three four yards short of the sticks. There's there's other situations where you you know he could make a better read or a better throw. But the talent is there, and and when it shines, it it really shines. Mm -hmm. I mean, and like I said, that rapport with Devontae Smith. They they teamed up. They had a great connection where uh, Devontae Smith made a. And maybe he caught it, maybe he didn't. It was overturned on review, and then the review was reviewed, and they overturned it back to a touchdown. What? It was kind of, was <laughs> kind of strange. Yeah. Uh, a nice toe-tap catch, a, a well-placed pass. I mean, there's there's glimpses. And um, I think with more time, he's just going to continue trending forward, not to mention the fact that, You know, they can run with him as well, and they've used that to their advantage.
4: They've benefited from a soft schedule, but what are you going to do? Shooky, we we appreciate you stepping in into a spot that no one else wanted to take, frankly. (laughs) You were the Giants-Eagles beat writer over the last uh, four weeks. You handled both of those games, and you handled them beautifully. Unbelievable.
8: Yeah, you know, uh, one was a low-scoring affair, one not so much. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this blowout made it a lot yeah. easier to write today. <laughs> okay, it was an easier good. day for me. Nice.
2: Pipe, what's going on with your um, personal life? You, uh, I know you're close to perhaps some an engagement ring scenario.
8: Oh, yeah, well, you know, let's just say the gears are turning. The process has begun, and um, hopefully we didn't just ruin the surprise. Does she listen? Is she in the room?
2: You have an ear in earpiece, no, in right? She's a, and I she's mean, no when
3: you sell. buy that engagement no, ring, is, well, I don't know what the message. the percentage number is in twenty twenty one, but it's meant to be what, like twenty percent of your salary
8: or something? It was like <laughs> I, what was the old saying, two months' salary or something like that? It's not that, but it'll do. It'll you do should, be what you should take
2: well. is, and this will save you a lot of money, is uh, because you are the pipe. You just take a lead pipe, and then you get a saw, <laughs> and you just kind of crudely saw <laughs> off the very top of the pipe, uh, fashion it as a ring. And then just sand it down a little
8: bit. You don't want any jacket engines. And then just slip that on Miss Pipe. You know, I could add to this, you know, tie in our our journey together and get it from, like, some old Cleveland pipe that was – That's what she's right looking for. 100 for. plus years. Well, she's like, she's a gym
4: rat too. So you guys should just get, like, married in a gym or something. Like, you know, have, like, a whole
8: you know, workout theme. <laughs> Everybody shows Just, up in. in I do. one note, ideas, I think, I think Dan giving you
3: terrible yeah, advice. Yeah. Do not follow that. That's not taking you anywhere.
8: <laughs> so you're telling me that party favors that are packs of whey protein, no. not not the, that's not, that's no, not good. No matter what, what know, she's bottle, bottles centerpiece centerpieces. New.
2: No. To Mark's point, uh, stick with the whole lead pipe ring. Uh, but have a real ring on backup. If she says no and gets offended by the lead pipe ring, you know she wasn't the girl in the first place. If she's oh, cool. like, oh, pipe, I'll go anywhere with you and wear anything, then you say, all right, baby, flick off the lead pipe ring, give her the rock, and we're flying ah, in a big old
8: bait and switch. Okay, all right. All right, well, we're taking – we got notes here. These aren't notes about that, but we could write these <laughs> notes down.
2: All right, Shooky, thank you for your work all season long, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. All right, guys, thanks. Man, Shook is – A good dude. All right, let's uh, move back into the action of Sunday. Let's head to Minneapolis. Here's Powell
5: at the other end of the field, coming up to take it at the 40. Stumbles to his right. He's got midfield and a block. He's got the 40 Minnesota down the right sideline. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, L.A.
7: Brandon Powell goes somersaulting into the end zone
5: with a punt return for a Touchdown.
2: J.B. Long, my buddy. It feels like so long ago that we were in the park watching that Yacht Rock cover band just shred. And one day we will again the next season. Every season I have a hangout with J.B. Long and his family. Spring is right around the corner, and I'll leave it at that. Brandon Powell returned a punt 61 yards for a touchdown in the third quarter. A huge play. Uh, for the Rams on their way to a 30-23 to 23 win over the Vikings. Uh, as we said earlier, the win um, gives re- the Rams an uh, advantage, a one-game lead in the NFC West over the Cardinals. It also allowed the Cardinals to clinch a playoff spot. And uh, an interesting game here. Here's the thing. The Vikings, who were a flawed but interesting team for so long, that kind of got thrown out here. Because this, in this game, they were just the inferior team. That the Rams are playing at a very high level right now, and even in a game where Matthew Stafford did not play well, and he had too many throws that were just throwing him up for grabs and, and allowed the Vikings to hang around, you kind of felt Los Angeles in control of this entire game, and I think that says a lot about where Los Angeles has come from after their uh, slumber uh, last month. They are now playing very, very good football at the end of December, and as a result, the Vikings look like they are going home after Week 18.
3: Oof. I love this so much for the Rams that you get a bad Stafford game that, you know, a couple of weeks past, like bad Stafford games meant a loss. Uh, they found a way to to win with him. Really subpar play. And I mean, I know they lost Daryl Henderson. Uh, Ernest Jones went out. They were already hit with COVID. They didn't have a left tackle. Andrew Whitworth. I mean, it says a lot about them to overcome all that because the Vikings are still a quality team in this world we live in right now. And, I mean, Justin Jefferson being held to, what, like 40 yards by Jalen Ramsey? Aaron Donald looking like he should be defensive player of the year. They have stars, and their stars are playing well.
4: And, and those guys you don't know are stepping up, like like a Powell. I mean, like a Sonny Michelle. I'm, I'm kind of amazed that Sonny Michel's getting 27 carries and Daryl Henderson's getting one, because Henderson's just so much more explosive. But I think it speaks to what Sean McVay wants, which is if we block four, get four. And if Michelle, who's running really hard, can get six, great. But Henderson, who's more of the home run hitter, is on the bench right now. It's really changed their offense. They've, they've run it quite well. And no, one, no team's had a better month than the Rams. I mean, they've, they've caught three games on the Cardinals in three weeks. <laughs> you know, they, they, they came into that game, it was only 12 days ago, or what was it, 13, 14 days ago against the Cardinals, down a couple games in that division. Now they're up a game. With two to play that, you know, it it's just switched so fast for them to get to 11 and four and feel like they're hitting the playoffs and totally in stride is awesome. And they still have a chance for the one seed. They would need a little help, but it, it's possible. Uh, the Vikings didn't get a touchdown
2: pass from Kirk Cousins uh, until 821 to play and it cut the lead to 2720. Then they needed their defense to make a stop, and it couldn't. Uh, They uh, gave up a field goal, and the game was over. That was that. And that touchdown drive midway through the fourth quarter was the only one of Minnesota's first nine possessions that went for longer than 15 yards. So this was like, you know, we talked about it on Thursday. Kirk Cousins. The, these don't always have to be Kirk Cousins' referendum games, and I don't think they lost this game because of Kirk Cousins because the pass protection wasn't great. There was no Dalvin Cook. Adam Thielen was clearly not there, 100% no run game at all. on that ankle. Um, so it was just the offense just kind of stuck in mud a little bit here. Uh, sometimes, like we were saying earlier, it doesn't have to all be on one player or one coach. You could just look at the team and be like, Min- the Minnesota Vikings did not step up in a game they absolutely needed at home, and they're 7-8. and eight, and probably heading home as a result. So, yes, uh, Justin Jefferson got his 100 yards, but it wasn't a real uh, Jefferson-dominant performance. In fact, I know, Greg, you were singing Jalen Ramsey's praises uh, for his performance uh, the previous week against DK Metcalf and the, the Seahawks. He was so, so good. And because the matchup was so great... Uh, maybe the best matchup you'll see all season, Jalen Ramsey against Justin Jefferson. There was a lot of ISO replays uh, of the game, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the all 22 tape heads are going dissect, to dissect it over the next couple of days and have a lot of fun with it. And what you're going to see is Jalen Ramsey not fighting for anything, step for step, every bit the athlete uh, Justin Jefferson is. And it's just a reminder in another game where Aaron Donald was constantly in the backfield causing havoc that when you have these two superstars, these two Hall of Famers in the primes of their career, uh, yeah, that makes up for a lot of mistakes your quarterback can make.
4: And they're allowing him to travel a little bit more the last two weeks. Now, maybe that was because of the opponents, because of the the unique skills of Metcalf and Jefferson. But he had been Kind of staying in the slot, not playing as much outside, traveling with the best receivers, and so that maybe that's changing uh, with the playoffs coming up. The the Vikings do, and they've gotten a little boring the last couple weeks. It's disappointing. I I wanted this team to be fun through the end. They do have the Packers next week. They do have a chance to set a record, though, Dan, um, of uh, the lowest margin uh, over like a full season that any team has ever played. Uh, Next Gen Sats sent that out. I think it's like 5.5 is the average margin right now in, in any of their games. And so that's something to keep an eye on. There you go.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you, though. There is a um, the kind of magical aspect, even if sometimes it was black magic, of the Viking season. Really, since that Thursday night, Pittsburgh in the second half, it's just been more like they're not very good on offense. <laughs> and as a result, uh, the defense isn't able to pick up the slack. It's just kind of the... The fairy tale is over, if, if, if there was one in the first place. All right. Let us take a break, and then we will uh, hit more NFL action. Kill me.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower...
1: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's dot acom slash iHeart.
5: Williams stays in. They fake it to him. Sling it. Caught by Pringle. Off the hit. Darts back inside. Touchdown, Kansas City. Byron Pringle with an outstanding catch and run. Dusting two Steelers. And into the sweet nectar, and the Chiefs lead 29 to nothing.
2: Hmm, interesting little trend here. The superpowers are starting to get right. We see the Rams over in the NFC, what they did today. How about the Kansas City Chiefs? Mitch Holtis with the call there for WDAF. Patrick Mahomes threw for 258 yards and three touchdowns. Byron Pringle caught two of those touchdown passes. The Chiefs rolled the Steelers 36 10, clinching their sixth consecutive. AFC West title. Think about that. Six consecutive AFC West titles. Mark, Uh, the game also allows the Chiefs to stay a game ahead of the Tennessee Titans for first place in the AFC. Eight straight wins now.
3: And they look the part. I mean, whatever concerns we had about Kansas City a month ago um, just do not look relevant to me at this point. I mean, you don't have Travis Kelsey in this game. Tyreek Hill, you thought, well, look, everything will go his way. He had two catches for like 19 yards. It was Byron Pringle playing one of the best games he's had in his entire career. Guys like Derek Moore, good. who had a huge 50-yard catch in this game. Nicole Hardman made plays. Daryl Williams, Blake Bell. I mean, just like everyone else stepped up. Mahomes had hit nine different targets in the first half. I think the other side of the story, though, is that their offense is heating up and their run game is as well. They did lose Clyde edwards helaire to a collarbone injury that looks pretty serious. Um, they lost the Honey Badger as well. I don't know what will happen with him. It was a quad injury. But you were playing a Steelers offense that we understood that issues and just was completely and totally broken down in this game. I mean, they they had like 100 yards at half, 10 minutes of possession, and the second half was just garbage time. I mean, it's just like Kansas City, you know, with no, they, they, had, they didn't have their kicker either, and they brought this guy in. He keeps hitting kicks too. So it's like Kansas City just looks <laughs> to me legit – They're heating up. Um, They found a way to win today in a different type of game that kind of just shows you that Andy Reid, you know, they talked about Andy Reid during the week, talking to the announcing crew, Romo and Nance saying, I don't really care who's in there. Like, we're going to find a way. And that's nice to say. A lot of teams will say that same thing. But they did today, and it showed, they flexed their muscles, it showed their power. And the Steelers, who we've kind of, you know, viewed as sort of this walking zombie, I think the head has been chopped off at this point. Ooh. I don't, I, am not saying that they couldn't go win. And I, I think they're going to go eight, eight and one, but they are a fraud when it comes to being a playoff team. Big Ben had no answers today. And it just, they were, you know, they're imbalanced. They've got line issues. And what we've not believed in all year reared its head in the worst
4: possible time for Pittsburgh. But, I'm just gonna say it. They're the worst seven seven and one team in NFL history. <laughs> they terrible. Okay. How Bull did this talk. team? How did this team win seven games? It's well because of what you and I have said before, though. Like they find right. ways to suddenly get, get fifty for a
3: quarter and, and a half, one... and they're in it. You
4: know, right? On one hand, I want to give Tomlin credit because like they've won seven games. On the other hand, you know, it is his defense. I know they've had a ton of injuries, but they're they run deep. they're a soft team whatever you know remember everyone was calling the bills soft cuz like they gave up a couple big runs against the patriots in, in a game they allowed less than 250 yards i mean the, the steelers defense is soft they are the definition of soft like at points in this game the chiefs ran like nine straight plays the the chiefs rookie offensive lineman and the way they constructed that offensive line in general to me is one of the bigger like long-term stories in the afc this year they they hit home runs with Trey smith and uh, Creed Humphrey, and that's who they're running behind on all these short yardage plays. And those are rookies. Those guys are going to be there. Tooney's going to be there for a while. They should probably re sign Orlando Brown. They really did fix that in one fell swoop. They're, they're hesitant to run. I know this game wasn't about the run, but it just, to me, it's like who who are the Steelers if you can't stop the run, especially when you're playing the Chiefs? Yeah, I, I would <laughs> I think you're probably more right, Mark. I,
2: I think maybe the head was finally taken off the zombie. Uh, but it is the AFC North, and we'll have to see. They got that tie in the mix, and Cincinnati has shown us before that they could look like world beaters one week and and, and stumble the next. But probably, and, and beyond that, we all know where this Pittsburgh team is, which is they just, they just exist. They're, no, they're nothing to get excited about. And the Chiefs, I think, are the big story here um, because if Patrick Mahomes is able to keep rolling with Kelsey out of the lineup, um what's going to happen now as the season goes on. So
4: Chiefs fans oh, by have to the be way, very confident. Skip, yeah, oh by the way, you skip around to the playoffs at this point, it, you know, if they can if they can hold serve uh here the next two. It's great that Chiefs had never won back-to-back division titles before Andy Reid and now they've won six straight. So that that says a lot about Andy Reid.
3: One little note about the Steelers, real quick, sorry, but they have trailed by 17 plus points in the four before the fourth quarter nine times in their last 19 games that happened to big ben nine times in his first 143 starts i mean they are just a broken down scenario i'm not declaring that they're not going to win another game they're going to well, they eight, do eight play one. the browns next week so i'm you saying said, nothing you... i'm not it's just not some i'm not doing this again i'm just saying they're an 8-8-1 eight, eight, team we're going to get that
2: you know i've been wondering why mark's been hitting this 8-8-1 eight, eight, thing so hard and then like as it always does it kind of connects to something else that i didn't realize that that was one of his sandwich props. Nick Fortier Ooh. of Go Get My Lunch uh, gave us an updated rundown of all the sandwich props. So that that adds a little bit of. Context.
3: I honestly had no i I had no memory that I'd made a sandwich prop off of that. I don't believe I, you. I believe me. I I it's <laughs> totally slipped my mind. I just, I've been consistently fascinated with the idea of it happening. Got it. All right,
2: let's move to, and check Very in. Very dismissive. On- I don't know. What do you want me to say? I don't believe you. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, looking to get back on track after uh, last Sunday night's embarrassing loss. Good thing the Panthers were on the slate. Buccaneers need a touchdown to finish this deal, don't we? We lead 22-6. The snap to Brady. Inside handoff. Rojo running left. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Nobody laid a hand on him. Gene Decker off with a call. WFUS. Tom Brady threw for 232 and a touchdown. Antonio Brown made a successful return to the lineup as the Bucks routed the Panthers 32-6. Uh, this surprised me, the, the Bucks, their first NFC South title since 2007. They won the Super Bowl last year as a wildcard team and had not won a division title uh, before that in, uh, since 2007. Anyway, Mark, uh, nice take care of business win for the Bucks who follow up that loss uh, against the Saints with a T-shirt and cap win.
3: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the game we just talked about because we know that you know the Bucks are without Mike Evans, uh, without Chris Godwin, without Lenny Fournette, with, without even Brashad Perriman, who offered a deep threat for them, and I, it led to Antonio Brown arriving at just the right time for them. Whether you like his personality or not, Tom Brady likes what he's
4: doing on the <laughs> who's field. Who's left that likes the Antonio Brown? Like, who's in the big fan club at this? Point? I don't know
3: every single person who listens to this, so I'm just putting that <laughs> out there as a probable scenario that most do not, but. <laughs> targeted 15 times, caught 10 of them, 101 yards. They were a little discombobulated early, but you could feel Brady and the ca- you know the cast of characters that came in there getting a little more comfortable. Cyril Grayson had a 62-yard catch at one point. Hishon Vaughn, who's been in the doghouse, um, had a 55-yard run for a, for a touchdown. I mean, little guys that just have not been a big part of the story stepped up. But why it reminds me also of the game we just talked about, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, was that you had... The Panthers, who are driving me nuts with this situation. I this I lost my patience watching this. It was this dueling piano player scenario where Cam Newton came in and let a field goal drive. Then he throws a pick on the next drive. So in comes Sam Darnold, who made one big play, but in general it was just back and forth between these two guys. Um, a totally bizarre plan that did not look like anything an NFL team should be doing. I, I understand what Matt Rule said about it after that it's just like, you know, he wasn't thrilled with it either, but um, they, they, they...
2: Let's hear from Matt Rule, sure. uh, Sessler, because uh, I know we've been told there are reports that Matt, Matt Rule's job is safe. I am not buying it, and I don't imagine a quote like this getting uh, run helps.
7: But I believe it's 1,000% working. I just know no one can see it, and I apologize. Uh, as I tell our team all the time it took Jay-Z like seven years. <laughs> it, took, it took him seven years. He had to start his own agency to, to become famous,
2: to become an overnight sensation. Like, it takes time. And I, he says it, and he see, and we we've, we've spoken with him. He seems like a really nice guy, a good dude. Uh, But I don't know, man. This this that thing I saw when I saw a Rap Sheets uh report this morning that. Sam Darnold was going to play and come in after a couple of series. And it's like everything he does with this quarterback position is just weird. Just start Sam Darnold. Like, what are we even doing in the first place here? Uh, having right. Cam start the game and then lifting him after the second possession ends in an interception. It's like, uh, all right, but what are we doing here? I just don't understand the game plan in Charlotte.
4: Maybe it was like, give Cam one last start in Carolina. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it because I think Darnold will probably start the next couple of weeks, which makes Some sense, by by the way, not that it not that it really matters. Like the Panthers fans booing him. He's talking all about the process. The Jay Z thing felt like, uh, you know, how how you know the the Steve Buscemi mean? Like, how are you doing there, kids? Like, what? First of all, like reasonable doubt. Like Jay Z's (laughs) first record is like one of the great great first records ever. So that part didn't even. Makes sense to me. I I don't know. He, he him talking about the process. It sounded like he was making a case for his job. Oh, I think on some level. I think entirely. I think
3: entirely because <laughs> I mean that you know it, I, there was a lot about? of hope around Matt Rule, and then the wheels have come off in a in a fierce way. And they it chanted kind of fire
4: made, rule during the game. The right. Crowd. It kind
3: of made me think of like I, I I know that I've been tough on Teddy Bridgewater largely because like Greg pumps him up as like someone that came down from the heavens. But when you think about Teddy Bridgewater mentioning that this offense was disorganized a year ago, well, a year later, um, it is extremely disorganized and they fired the offensive coordinator that Teddy was critiquing. So it's like you go back through the roots of what's happening here and it's not been a great plan and it's not working. It doesn't visually look pleasing.
2: Uh, And uh, let's uh, just – one thing, Greg, clearing up the uh, meme that you were referencing, that Steve Buscemi saying, how do you do, fellow kids?
4: <laughs> I mean, I sounded like Steve Buscemi there trying and to say. After it. the
2: game, Antonio Brown also got very snippy with a reporter who dared to ask him um, about all the nonsense that surrounds him as a person, not a player, as a person. Uh and uh, shut down a reporter who it was their first chance to have a conversation with Brown about his suspension tied to the fake vaccine card. Uh, and he was kind of a jerk about it. So, I mean, this is Antonio Brown is a jerk, but he's productive. And he was again today. And he's an important part of their offense, whether we like it or not, because with um, Mike Evans ailing with Chris Godwin out of the picture with Lenny Fernand out. Uh, Tom Brady needs an Antonio Brown and he was there for him. So that's a that's a big development for them on the field. Super
3: Bowl teams have tons of jerks on them. Uh, I mean, this is just that no one's if they win the Super Bowl, no one's going to care that Antonio Brown was on this team at all. No one will. All
2: right. Let's uh, now move to Houston upset alert. Or is it? I mean, with COVID, it's hard to really make sense of any of this. But a team that was expected to win did not. (laughs) This game was played in Texas. (laughs)
5: Mills quick pass Nico at the 5 Nico in the end
7: zone the dagger touchdown Houston my goodness they're gonna do it
2: I love it oh yeah Ricky good job give the Texans the bongos they deserve it come 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 come. Mark Vandermeer KILT with the call, Davis Mills and Nico Collins connected on the clinching touchdown. Rex Burkhead Rexburg ran for a career-high 149 yards and two touchdowns, and the Texans took the advantage of three turnovers to beat the Chargers 41-29. This game featured uh, two teams that are missing more than a dozen players each because of COVID-19
4: uh, protocols. Greggy, uh, David Culley has these Texans fighting hard to the end. And playing aggressive on offense. I said it a week ago with how they closed out that Jaguars game. I was even more struck in this game that with a small lead, a one-score lead in the red zone with under four minutes to go, instead of trying to bleed clock on first down, they got Davis Mills throwing slants because he's shown he's pretty good at throwing slants. Davis Mills is playing good, controlled football. This was one of his uh, best games because it didn't have the – the kind of mental mistake, rookie mistake that he usually has even in his good games. He had two baller throws in the first half, and it really felt like in another world, like this was like a quarterback shootout between... Him and Herbert. There were very few stops in this game. You, know, wow. you look at Herbert's line and you think like, oh, Herbert struggled. They only got stopped. Tw- you know, they didn't punt the whole game, the Chargers. You know, they fumbled it once and Herbert got picked off uh, once where he got a little too aggressive. It was just they couldn't keep up with Davis Mills and the Texans.
3: I don't know. I mean, crazy. I look back on. I mean, do we not like this? Some of these COVID situations, it's like, OK, cool. Like, I'm glad for Davis Mills, yes. but no Austin Eckler no Mike Williams, Corey Lindsley's out. I mean,
4: these things matter. And I mean, it's Bosa was out. Jones was out. They were missing 14 players or 13 players. but guess what? The Texans were missing 18. No, I know. So uh, including like Brandon cook. So it's just like, it's crazy. They were missing over 30 total players in this game. You're right. It's hard to know what to know. It was the first press conference where,
3: you know, reporters coming out of it said that Brandon Staley, who has been one of the best young coaches in front of the mic around, uh, had a bit of a thousand yard stare that it just, I think it took a lot out of them. And I understand that
2: it's frustrating if you're a chargers fan, because yes, you could point to the COVID issues, but yes, both teams had to deal with it at the end of the day with two games remaining in the regular season, the chargers are kind (laughs) of right back where they always seem to be. They're at eight and seven and the season go one way or another. And they've let a lot of winnable games get away. And I wouldn't say they're, they're charging in the same way we know them to charger in the past, but uh, to not be able to close out the Chiefs at home on Thursday night, which could be mm. turn out to be a turning point in their season, and then to follow that up with a road game against Houston, where you just get outplayed, you just get beat, you just, your defense gets beat up on by Davis Mills, and here we are now. They're nine and eight. We'll see if they what they have, and if we talk Brandon Staley, very good on Mike. We'll see. A lot, we'll learn a lot about him as a coach. We're going to learn a lot about Justin H- Herbert. How does this
4: season end for the Chargers? Yes, see. they got the they got the Broncos and Raiders next, so you, division opponents, winnable games. You probably have to win them both. Uh, I it was interesting to see that old story, the old friend, uh, the Chargers run defense get lit up <laughs> for 189 yards by Rex Burkhead and Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman's not even like. Like the best random Freeman picked up off the street that's running the ball. Like, that's Devontae. Like, like, it was crazy to see them going up and down the field, running the ball with those two guys.
2: Hard to believe. All right, let's take a break and then uh, check in on the AFC West. You go into your shower feeling tired.
0: But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.
7: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot.
2: Snaps it off. Wide open. First down Moreau Deep into territory. He's at the Broncos. 35-yard line. Way to go. They cross everybody up. Raiders are headed for their eighth win. Brent Musburger, of course, with the call for KRLV. On third and two from their own 36-yard line, nursing a four-point lead late in the fourth quarter. Derek Carr didn't do what was expected, which would have been handing the ball off. To Josh Jacobs, who had uh, done damage all game, instead he dropped back to pass, dropped a teardrop into the hands of Foster Moreau, whose 28-yard pickup allowed the Raiders to run out the clock on that 17-13 win. And uh, after the play, as he was jogging downfield, he animate in an animate way pointed at the Raiders sideline during the celebration, potentially not to Greg Olson. I don't know. Maybe Greg Olson's up- upstairs, the o- offense coordinator. I don't know. But he was, he was happy that they gave the ball to him and said, win the game, and he did. So here are the Raiders again. Uh, I was dismissive of them after the, the Browns win. Uh, everyone was, it seemed like. Uh, but the Raiders now find a way to beat a Broncos team that's not very good, but it's still a good win uh, t- for a team that are not collapsing in December like in past years. In fact, with these two wins, they are right in the mix still in the AFC. What was going on with
3: Denver's ground game, which has been spicy um at moments. I love Javonta Williams, but they had what 15 yards on the ground? I mean, this it's, is not uh, a too big, here's here's two big two big
4: backs had eight yards total on 14 carries.
2: That's here's the thing. I wanna Derek Carr had a miserable interception right before the half on a screen pass pass where Bradley Chubb jumped up, grabbed it, took it to the goal line, they went in a, a play later. Um, and that was such a big play in this game because it wasn't high-scoring and it just kept things close. But the Raiders dominated uh, this game. The Broncos could not get anything going on the ground, through the air, uh, and that's what you're seeing in that game. the, The Vegas defense, which has not always been... Uh, a big-time unit, stepped up here. Of course, it's Drew Locke that's prominently involved. You you always have to factor these things in. Uh, Who's the quarterback playing? Teddy Bridgewater suffered that scary head injury. He was held out as a precaution. Locke didn't do much. But, yeah, when the running game wasn't there to pick up the load, uh, that was it uh, for a team that didn't really even have the ball that much. Uh, If you look at the breakdown uh, of the game. Uh, They only had eight first downs the whole game. They only ran 40 total plays, 158 yards. So the offense of the Raiders still not very good. Darren Waller out of the lineup. Uh, But the defense took care of an inferior unit. I guess you could say, Greg, because I know you like to get your little Teddy Bridgewater celebrations in where you can. No, I'm not. This might be a different outcome with a more proficient guy at the controls of the offense.
4: I mean, they probably would have had more than, yeah, they probably would have had more than eight first downs. Although three drives I got to say ended on plays receivers could have made. Drops for Drew Locke. You know, I I did watch this one trying to knock it out early and they were just bad all Jerry around. Jerry Judy
2: had a really bad drop. I think that's Fan, what I'm had one to. and yeah. it's
4: tough to give um Alberto a drop on that last drive where where the Broncos still had a chance to go win the game, but he had a chance to make a play that would have put them deep into field goal range and they didn't make the play. It's pretty you got to be pretty bad to win the turnover battle three to nothing and lose the game to the Raiders. I mean, two of the Broncos, your 10 of the Broncos points, as you mentioned, came on drives totaling five yards. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like they basically didn't move the ball the whole game. That's pretty rough. And you're right. The Raiders are eight and seven. So they're tied with the Chargers and the Ravens as we speak now uh, for that last spot. Technically, the Ravens have the tiebreaker now. It doesn't really matter, but those three are all at 8-7, and and the Dolphins can join them on Monday.
3: I do wonder if we find out that Derek Carr is more banged up. I know he finished the game, but he looked like he had separated a shoulder at one point he, mm-hmm. He's
4: he's a tough
2: dude, man. He went right. to the blue tent. He went to the blue tent to the point where the uh, announcing team confidently said a new quarterback was coming into the game, and then you came back from break, and there's Derek Carr in the huddle. So unless you break his leg or uh, – yeah, break his leg, basically. He is playing uh, football for your team, which also should be considered when you mm. talk about Derek Carr, the quarterback, who's not a great quarterback, but he's not as bad as the people want to tell you also. He's good. He's a good quarterback. Is that good enough for you? It should be. If you have a good quarterback, you surround him with a really good team. Craig, you can go places in our league.
3: I don't think he'll be there a year from now, but I agree with you.
4: Mm. Really? No. I do. He's very cheap under contract not I, I, don't, think, I don't think
3: it's because um, they wouldn't want him. I, I oh, think that, that we're going to so get, get another scenario where he's going to want out because he's not into rebuilding with right. that club. I mean, mm, we'll see. Interesting. All this, right. was a, uh, this was
4: a John Gruden fever dream game he loves, he loves games like this I wonder if he's watching somewhere
2: I, I imagine he is, but who yeah. knows Alright, okay. so from one uh, AFC contender Or wildcard contender That we don't really believe in necessarily To another in the NFC Let's go to Atlanta Craig Reynolds out of the backfield Here's
5: Boyle throwing, intercepted Foye Lewican is going to win it for Atlanta
2: Short to the sweet West Durham WZGC with the <laughs> call Good call Matt Ryan threw a tie-breaking 12-yard touchdown pass to Hayden Hurst early in the fourth quarter. The Falcons got that late interception from Foye Alutakon to beat the Lions 2016, preserving their playoffs hopes, slim as they may be. Atlanta improved to 7-2 in one possession games, including four wins by no more than four points. Mark, to quote Adam F. Duritz, the Falcons are hanging around this town on the corner. They are, they are, and the
3: Lions. I mean, conversely, are one six and one and one score games. It feels like they're. I'm
2: forty one.
8: Okay.
3: <laughs> uh, go ahead. I don't know where to go from after that, Dan. Uh, like I, we can go into a counting crows discussion if you'd like instead. I, I mean, this game felt. What are like, you
4: holding over your shoulder? You look like Jon Snow right now. What uh, it? Like, you've, is... you've been wrapping that <laughs> sweater around your neck at various points in the show.
3: It's there is a window, and I, I understand that I'm in Los Angeles, so there's no complaints. <laughs> but it's freezing in.
2: This Do you want to pull that reason, over your like, head and just really snug up here for the balance of the show? We we could stop down a second. I,
3: I mean, I want to be taken like in a van to like the middle of the country and just dropped into the night. At this point, I want. I, I we're doing the best we can here, but. <laughs> If you'd like to hear about the have game, you, I'm happy to tell been, you Greg, one or two, two things. Have you been tracking
4: this thing on his shoulder the whole show, and it's been the a sweater's little bit like, been a Yeah, well, especially it's a when he was getting annoyed at me talking about Belichick <laughs> to- earlier, he was actually, like, wrapping it around his neck in a way that it looked like it might cut off circulation. I was a little No, because I
3: was like, I hate when people do this thing. Where
2: they uh, that's like, like they the put- 80s bad guy, the frat right guy, like yeah. I
3: hate that stuff. So I was just putting it over one shoulder to warm that region, but just you're to, like just a you're, little bit.
4: you were like wrapping it around the neck many times, and I saw a vein popping out or something. It's know, almost just-
2: like he was pantomiming what he wanted to do to you at that exact moment, Greg. <laughs> I might have been-
4: <laughs> well, anyway, I'm feeling better about it. About you it must have hard. enjoyed this game. I it was over, <laughs> at, at I'm, I must not have it. It but- was over. I looked up. It was twelve forty five p.m. here on the West Coast, and the game had ended. That has to be the quickest NFL game in this entire season.
3: I think one of the reasons that happened was that the Lions, and this is so true to their nature, kept going for it on fourth down over and over, and they and they kept succeeding in keeping drives alive. That it, it it moved at a quick pace. Um, they didn't get the dominant ground game that they've gotten in in other weeks, but. There is something, and I know it was Tim Boyle, and there's not much that this team is gone at this point, but Tim Boyle played well, and Amon Ross St. Brown, 91 yards and a touchdown again. Like, that's my takeaways that you've got a wide receiver to build around here. He's been really good, and if you're the, if this is your fantasy team-related, Dan, but Kyle Pitts made two or three plays in this game that we already know he's amazing, but he had a breakout game that helped set up points for them over and over, and did a couple of things that just mm. uh, visually were were magnetic. It was still looked like a lot of other Falcons games where it's like the defense gets tricked here and there. It wasn't a terrible performance, but Matt Ryan has zero protection. He's getting hammered left and right, but does just enough Matt Ryan things to keep it alive. And it came down to the end, and mm. I, I I did enjoy it to some degree because of the pace, but it wouldn't be the football yeah. game I'd sign up to re- like um, watch. You know. 7,000 times on a VCR tape in the early 80s. Well, I know you used to
4: do. Go ahead. Dave. Go ahead, Greg. <laughs> I was just saying, I know you were pumping that fist um, when the Lions kicked that field goal with under four minutes to go. Yes. Uh, to make it only a four point game and get it raining inside that Georgia dome. We got another pick for the Rainmaker. The Browns came through on Saturday night. The Lions come through on Sunday, 2-0, up to 5-0. I think I'm ending the Rainmaker after going 5-0 right you now. This, the, this is
3: the tremendous disconnect. You screaming into a microphone that the Browns came through. Hey, I couldn't through feel through any the different about the, the result. The, I saw
4: some people <laughs> tweeting at us saying they made some Christmas things, which they really I, This is Don't what I'm advice. telling you, and this Don't is why advice. you have
2: to have an altruistic viewpoint on this, Great, It can't be just about you. I want to retire five and zero. Oh. no you have paid for christmas you're paying for braces you're paying for car payments you're paying for prep school you're uh paying for plumbing issues you're playing for the new roof this is your chance to give back to the community of fans that have given so much to you greg
4: well they're gonna need a new
2: roof with all this rain coming down nice i love it greg that's awesome good good comeback and i'm on fire with you right now and now i'll have to do something i didn't want to do because i didn't even want to give them uh, the respect uh, of checking the NFC playoff picture. But you know what, Falcons, you've won enough close games where I don't recognize you as a true player in this thing, but you are in the mix. So where are you? You're 7-8, and eight. you're 3rd in the NFC South, you're in 10th place uh, with a schedule favorable because you have the Lions up next. Okay. There you go. That's my check-in on the Falcons. Well,
3: they don't have the Lions just, up next, but they, they that have would, vanquished that would be back the be back-to-back
2: games against the Lions. Oh, so. sorry. That's that's on NFL.com, who should be updating their playoff picture. They have the Bills up next. And again, virtually you guys real-time. have the Bills
3: in the Super Bowl. So it's NFL.com. Like
2: How could we be uh, putting up a playoff picture on our website that's not updated by Sunday night? What are we doing? I'll I'll say no more. I'll say no more. <laughs> you just hung out the old Zeuser to dry... Right. In the middle of the Around the NFL podcast, the the award winning Around the NFL podcast, I went to our website, and you hung me out to dry.
3: Well, I think you appropriately took your employer and threw them under a moving bus. So you know, After I like
5: they threw you've done me
2: now. under the same no, bus. I'm- you d- It was deserved, and you did it. You know what I did? get. That get.com up I, to snuff, please. I peeled my body off the pavement after they got me backed over with the bus, and I chased them down like the Steelers zombie. And I grabbed whoever's running NFL.com, and I threw that son of a under the bus. And then he right. got rolled over by the same bus.
3: Could be a she, but uh, that's fair. But are no, are, are you quietly like, annoyed? Didn't you just you an-
4: recap the Lions-Falcons? I mean, you could have could have adjusted there are you annoyed Dan that I <laughs> pointed out
3: the error verbally should I have just let it
2: slide because no, I you created know what? I that think hole. it's important I think it's important
4: okay. they're only and one I back think- I mean that's a fact there's two weeks left in the season and the Falcons are one game back that's those are just the facts they're hanging around this town on the corner let's move to the Meadowlands
2: here they come Wilson eludes the rush he's going to take off he's got plenty of running room and he's going to
5: scamper for a big game 30 25 still in bounds at the 20 makes a miss at the 10 he could go Wilson dives touchdown touchdown New York Jets Zach Wilson on a 55 yard Stamper breaking tackles staying in bounds and just like that the jeTS are on the board it's 6-3 New York
2: hmm <laughs> the boy <laughs> the boy made a play all hail the boy Bob was with the call for WEPN Zach Wilson did something no other jet quarterback had ever done he ran a touchdown 55 yards on the ground going around rece- going around Jacksonville defenders one d- defender thought he was going out of bounds and he said whoops see you later and as a state inbounds tiptoed to the sideline did it down the sideline and into the end zone, it did remind me and many other Jets fans that are feeling a lot of trepidation about this latest um, Jets quarterback who is supposed to be the future. There is a lot of athleticism and a lot to like about him as a physical uh, prospect. He throws the hell out of the ball. He really moves well in the pocket. If there's been a lot of negatives, but we've seen week after week how well he evades pressure, is able to reset. Uh, He's not making plays once he resets his feet, but he's putting himself in position to do that, and maybe one day he will. So that's optimism. I'll give you a little optimism there as a Jets fan. Uh, And they got a defensive goal line stand at the end. Uh, after Trevor Lawrence used his legs to set up the Jaguars um, at the goal line, but the Jags in their Jaguar ways did not get up to the line with a, with everyone knowing what to do. The whole play was out of whack, leading to an incomplete pass, uh, sealing a 26-20 win, 21 win for the Jets. Um, I saw Brian Costello. I like Brian Costello. He's, he's been a long time a uh, beat writer of the New York Post but he had one of those sardonic kind of um pessimistic tweets like enjoy the wind now lament it come the draft or whatever and i'm just like i don't want to hear it anymore i want i know that this hurts the jets in their draft positioning uh, and I would have been okay if they would have lost this game. But I don't. we don't need beat reporters, cynical beat reporters, telling the fans that they shouldn't be rooting for it. In fact, I want to play something for you guys. My brother, Kevin Danger Hanses, is home for the holidays, uh, watched the game with Keith Hanses. And my dad's a big proponent of, I watch the Jets hoping to see a win. My dad is not about... Tanking Uh, tanking. Right. He, 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 his joy comes from the jets winning. It doesn't matter what the situation is in the season. My brother was nice enough to get us some real content here and got a hidden recording of Keith on the play (laughs) before the big stop at the goal line. Uh, A pass was thrown by Trevor Lawrence right into the hands of CJ Mosley went through his hands and for a complete pass for Jacksonville at the one yard line. And this was Keith's reaction to a near interception by Mosley that turned into a completion for the Jaguars.
7: don't and- went right through his hands. It went through 57's hands. <laughs> I can't believe it. He didn't catch it.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> that's a fan my dad's a real one and you know what he was rewarded uh with a a stop and a win draft positioning be damned
3: well and also like, like if you can get some sparks out of zach wilson you're going into next year with his with him as your quarterback barring like stuff that becomes more common in these days like the kyler murray move but i would just say that probably they are like i don't need them to have a number one pick and like Get some momentum. And I know your head coach wasn't even coaching this game. And, you know, Ron Middleton, you know, former NFL tight end, is one of like 18 guys to win games without the head coach in there. But I am with your dad. A little bit of optimism to, clo- to close what's been a ghastly campaign otherwise.
4: Yes. And they were, the Jets were missing like 20 players, 20 on the COVID list and their
2: head coach. It's a nice win. I don't care who it is
3: against.
4: Right, I I agree, but it was a really disappointing final sequence. I mean, admittedly, this is the only sequence I watch of this play, this game, but make a play Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you get, you get into that position first of all, and I know Jaguars fans have been talking about this. There's some disagreement. It's like he had one cornerback to, to beat, to maybe go, score a touchdown I know he was thinking about stopping the clock and staying in bounds but it's like you are this big that, yep. great runner go, go make a guy miss and if you get tackled you, you still had time that was not that big a concern and then to back that up with I think they had an incompletion on first down you should you should have thrown a what would have been a game then interception to Mosley Then they spike it. I don't know if that's his decision or the coach, but they were so discombobulated. They spike it with plenty of time left on third down. That was crazy. And then they can't get set up for fourth down. It's not all on Lawrence, uh, but he did make some bad plays there and he definitely was not calm under pressure. It it was one of those (laughs) plays where even if you're not
2: someone that understands the nuances of pre-snap alignments and what's allowed to happen and what's not, and I count myself as one of those people, you knew, oh, this is going to be a penalty because there's guys moving all over the place in front of Lawrence and and the uh, play-by-play guys did make the call, which in retrospect, I mean, tw- hindsight is twenty-twenty. 20 uh, but Trevor Lawrence probably was better off taking a delay of game. It was so out of whack. It was the last play of game. The clock was stopped, and then you could have your fourth and goal from the six-yard line, maybe even a little bit more space to work with and try to win the game. So yeah, in a season filled with disappointment for first-round pick quarterbacks, I agree with you. I thought that Lawrence did a lot of good things in this game. I thought he probably outplayed Zach Wilson in a lot of ways, but Zach Wilson uh, made uh, had two touchdowns, not no turnovers, and Lawrence wasn't able to make the big play. And
4: it hasn't happened enough this year, like Lawrence making the big play. One, li- one little mini he wasn't it. ready for that moment, and that's fine. He's a rookie, but some rookies are ready a little more uh, under control of of what to do in that situation. Well, he's been, he's up, been
3: put in a terrible situation, but I mean, looking to the future of Trevor Lawrence, like. The, uh, it was rap sheet that reported that it's Byron Lefwich, Jim Caldwell and Doug Peterson, who are on the early radar as head coaching candidates for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2022,
2: man, they have to get this higher, right. And somebody with experience that, you know, is going to be able to run a ship in a professional way. That makes sense. Um, and all those names kind of uh, check those boxes. So we shall see what happens with the Jags, but we won't learn about that for a couple more weeks. Uh, let's,
0: Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new
7: podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all?
2: I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all.
0: I said, said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because you didn't need (laughs) it?
7: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep (sighs) expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
0: Bears are going for the win here. Pulls gun, lifts his right leg, moves to his right.
7: Jacking
5: it, throw it back of the end zone, catch made, and he couldn't hang on. They're gonna say it's good for the two pointer, Demir Bird, back of the end zone. It is good,
0: and the Bears have the lead 25 24 here in Seattle.
2: Thank you, Bears, by the way, as a Jets fan. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Joniak with the call WBBM Bears don't care. Nick Foles threw a late touchdown pass and with a chance to tie the game, Matt Nagy said, F it. Let's go for the two-point conversion. Converted successfully thanks to a beautiful, beautiful catch by wide receiver Demir Bird. Chicago followed with a stop on defense and the Bears steal a 25-24 win over the Seahawks in snowy Seattle. Greg, that was unbelievable, that sequence, the Jimmy Graham touchdown, and then what a play by Bird.
4: Those that it was such a great ending for this game. I mean, of course, the game wasn't too exciting. It was a snow game, but Nick Foles had one of the more uh, exciting game winning touchdown drives of the entire season. He gets the ball back after the Seahawks totally blow it. The game should have been over. They had a second down with three minutes left at the Bears' 28-yard line. Russell Wilson takes a terrible sack that Carroll gets on him about after the game. They miss the field goal. And then Foles goes right down the field, like a 30-yard play on the first um, snap where he gets hit. And then you mentioned it. That Graham catch was like... I don't know. I know Jimmy Graham's not very good anymore, but it got me thinking, like, could Jimmy Graham just catch those jump balls till he was, like, 47? Like, that's the only thing he can do. But he he's like, still, like a, still great at it. It was a third as, and long, too. Yeah, it was like a Knicks
2: fan. Like, it reminded me of late period Patrick Ewing where he lost a lot of his athleticism. But sometimes against, like, an inferior opponent, you could just pour it to him in the paint and he could do an old move to get a, get a bucket. Like, he's, that's what Jimmy Graham is, like, 34-year-old Patrick Ewing.
4: I mean, yeah, and Falls turned back the clock. I thought it had a solid game overall, and then the catch that Demir Bird made. I don't blame the play-by-play guy for thinking he was going to go out of bounds because there was no way he should have. He somehow reached it out, reached out, caught it with one hand in total traffic. Looked like he was going to get pushed out. Got his uh, shin down. And Damir Bird is a hero. It made one of the plays. That was of the year. a
2: sick catch. To not <laughs> only to, outrageous. to one survive of the, the, of the initial year. throw in coverage, to come down, stay in bounds, and then hold on to it with one hand. One of the catches of the year. Yep.
3: In inclement weather. And it kind of, it it, it completely masks what I thought was an incredible performance, Seahawks wise, from Carlos Dunlap, who was all over the place, Rashad Penny. And, you know, after the game, I, I, listening to Pete Carroll, he just seemed, um, a little more listless and, and willing to accept total uh responsibility you and couldn't defeat, believe they lost. Right? I couldn't
4: believe they lost this game either. But that they they play to keep games close with their style and and uh yeah, when you fail, face a BDN, old Nick Foles, he's still got that BDN <laughs> energy sometimes. He can get it done. He has it and whenever I, he wants I, it.
2: I wanna make a prediction that this is the week. We've been kinda we've been waiting for it. This is the week where we get the capital T capital S story the story from someone a leak out of Seattle either about Pete Carroll or about Russell Wilson it's going to heat up c- coming off an ugly loss like this yeah I think, you're think that
3: right. it, the, I think the
2: you're time right. is ripe alright let's uh, the time is ripe for us to move on to Sunday Night Football
1: oh Sunday Night
5: empty backfield four man rush And that is intercepted. It's the Marcus Lawrence down the sideline. He goes, and look at that, into the end zone. Boy, I tell you, if it's not Diggs, it's not Parsons, it's not Gregory, don't forget about that guy.
2: Well said by the legend himself, Al Michaels, friend BC. The Cowboys authored a masterpiece on Sunday Night Football. Yes, the opponent wasn't great but it was a display of might that should make them a figure of intimidation in the NFC final score, 56 to 14 Cowboys over Washington. And you heard Al there hyping up the defense and all the playmakers and including DeMarcus Lawrence, which is absolutely true. But then you have to look at the other side and an offense that piled up four Dak Prescott touchdown passes in the first half alone and building a 42, seven halftime lead. And, Mark, that is just, like, what you're talking about with the Cowboys. Like, when they are in full flight, they look as impressive as any team in football.
3: Yeah, I, you know, they are becoming a light in the NFC. And I, I, I just was thinking towards the second half of this game when, like, you know, the actual minute-by-minute minute details started to fade away into the larger picture that if you track, like, Super Bowl-appearing and Super Bowl-winning teams, they typically have a couple wins like this Um, I know it's just a post Thanksgiving it's only time but it's like late in the season where they assure you that they are dominant and we had been dogging uh, Dallas with a series of questions about their offense sputtering to some degree not quite reaching its potential not as many questions about the defense and quite the, the opposite tonight you saw everything come together and I think for me it starts with the totally pristine performance of Dak Prescott. He looked healthy. He looked perfect. He used all his weapons. Amari Cooper has nothing to complain about this week to reporters. It just kind of showed you, like, the, the there are a couple teams hanging out there, going sideways and in the wrong direction. We've talked about a bunch of them tonight. Dallas suddenly looks completely different to me. Maybe with the way 2021 is, none of this will linger and carry on, but I kind of see that differently because they have. they're one of the rare teams with a defense that can stomp you out. And when the offense plays this way, They are what they were tonight. Totally unstoppable. I don't care if it was Washington or anyone else.
4: Right. I mean, Dak was unconscious. At one point, he was 19 for 20 for 230. And those throws weren't all easy. I mean, the the touchdowns were like the guys were wide open. But he had one throw, full sprint to the left on the money. The type of athletic throw that he hasn't made a ton this year uh, since the injury. Another couple on the run to the right. So good. And then when they line up. On third downs, it seems like they're kind of going with Gregory on the outside, Parsons on the other side, and then Tank Lawrence and Gallimore inside, like... Good luck. One of those dudes is just going to have some matchup where he wrecks shop. And they did. And Diggs is covering McLaurin. It's fun to see. And they've had this kind of cupcake schedule here for a while. That ends like they got the Cardinals next week. They got the Eagles in week 18, which probably will matter because they might be going for that one seed. And then they'll have a playoff game. And they they are fascinating. These five teams that have all made the NFC playoffs, you know, just to kind of recap the day. You know, we knew the Packers were in, but the Cardinals, Rams, uh, the Cowboys, and the Bucks are all in now. All five of those teams are, are pretty fascinating teams, and the Cowboys have the star power to match any of them.
2: Even their special teams got in the mix in the second half with the punt block um, for a touchdown. So, um, Bones, Fossil, he gets into the mix as well. And yeah, I think I agree. The defense, they've been doing, they've been on a massive heater. Uh, they had that streak. Uh, the last three weeks before Sunday night where they had the four turnovers. This, uh, of course, another affair filled with interceptions and big plays. But I think the Dak Prescott performance is the one that really does stand out because if if he does get back to the guy of the first four or five weeks and you combine it with this uber-talented, playmaking-minded defense, and it's a really well-coached team. I mean – I know Mike McCarthy's gotten some slings and arrows on the show and, and it's been deserved it in a lot of ways. But, I mean, he leads a really sound coaching staff. They, they have an offensive philosophy. Uh, obviously, the, the defense has really come to life under Dan Quinn. And McCarthy is a good guy to kind of be overlooking. If they just seem really uh, set up well. For a playoff run. Now, we've said that about the Cowboys before, and there's a reason why they've gone a quarter century without a Super Bowl berth. But this version of the Cowboys can beat anybody in the league. It's not just that Washington is totally cooked, and Washington is cooked. Taylor Heineke did not want to be on that field. Neither would I. <laughs> if, if I'm telling reporters that I couldn't even take the laundry basket uh, down the steps, and then yeah. I'm in an NFL game against all these superstar defensive players, uh, no wonder he had that look in his eye by the third quarter.
3: And I, mm. I'm glad that we're not making a big deal out of it, but the Duron Payne, Jonathan Allen thing, um, I just found interesting, but I don't think it's that uncommon. And like, I guess just seeing football players... Oh, saying, I, think like, it's this pre- I
4: think it's pretty uncommon to for a guy to punch I, you know, it, to try to well, punch... Collinsworth was saying he's literally never seen that in a football game ever. Well, there's people, to, like tweeting, f- people, f-
3: f- people f- tweeting that they, that it's they've seen it too many times. I mean, it's not happening every week, but... It's one we, thing I,
4: like arguing and yelling, but like if well, he had Ron connected... Ron Rivera knows man. more than
2: any of us, and Ron Rivera at halftime seem to not make too much of it. Right. I mean, it's yeah. a passionate game, and a guy's obviously getting embarrassed. I mean, Washington, right. we don't need to dwell on them too long, but to go from where their season was a few weeks ago to just being completely taken out by COVID to this primetime performance, we'll um, have plenty of time to talk about their future. But you would think at near the top of the list is quarterback, not that this was a Heineken loss, but they're just not competitive against a big-time contender, and they need to start trying to get there.
3: I think they're broken down. I mean, these teams at this point, like they went through a, they, they went through the COVID ringer. Yeah, Heineke, I think, has shown a lot this season, but not enough to be a starter. And you know, Ron Rivera, like you've got a team where you just you hit, met the Cowboys at the peak of their powers at the wrong time. And I, like honestly, uh, you know, Arizona's fade may not be over. I don't like their chances at all against this Cowboys team if they show up looking like they did tonight.
2: I don't think anyone in the NFC could it's, beat them. It's a good call about you know, how Washington's broken down, because I think that's going to be a major, So we kind of spin forward, like, above the treetops here. COVID has broken down rosters. Obviously, it's taken a ton of guys out of the mix, but it's putting other players in a situation where, you know, there's a lot of snaps being played. A lot of guys that have to play through injury because rosters are short, and how these teams navigate this completely unprecedented situation is a huge subplot, and I don't know, what it is, and I know, I remember Mark, we talked about it. You, you did some data digging on it. The numbers are similar, but this feels a lot different than last year. Well, there are
4: beds backloaded. You know, the numbers of players that got COVID in the last week were. Was- Extraordinary, and was even higher than the week before. Like it's, it's all coming now, and it's not slowing down, and it doesn't stop the injuries either. Like Washington lost three defensive starters to injury last week, so that showed up, I think, again. So it's like, it's tough. This happens at the end of every season, but now we got an extra week. There, there are a handful of teams that are just trying to trying to get to the. And that
3: tweet, that tweet couldn't have been more ancient. Twenty four hours after I put it out because of the explosion, but I think there's something to be looked at. That when players come back from COVID, there seems to be um, a, w- a week or two drag in their play, and and so when you have these teams that had nineteen guys out, like they don't come back at maximum force. So I, it's just it's a it's a long season. Some of these teams hmm. are drifting away into the mist.
2: It's the biggest season ever. You no, know, that's their terminology Mark. for it. Mark a quote right before we started. I feel close to the edge, so we're gonna get it's, out of here, Mark.
3: It has been a bit of a rugged. Um, it is. It's. Did you
4: guys have a nice Christmas? We didn't even, you know, hit we, that at the top. You guys? I, no, nice. I
3: did not. I think I made that. <laughs> yeah, well, that was <laughs> Well, before that, yes, yes, before, before that, I count the Christmas
4: before all that. I know. will tell you this: Greg, your boys looked
2: happy. I, I love yeah. Christmas. I loved Christmas before I had kids. Now it's even more special. Uh, now that I that I do have kids, and my wife and I are very lucky, but uh, it is a lot um in the middle of this nfl season especially when it's a, the day after christmas this is one of those days where you just we're, we're champions we're grinders and we're getting through <laughs> we december 26th this is a this is a tough day on the calendar i think we did it though
4: we, we did, did it <laughs> and um before we go i also want to just send a, a very belated congratulations uh to our old producer lost sid uh we we haven't given her a shout out on the podcast since she'd be, She got married before she married her Disney prince. So, you know, all the listeners that made it this deep, you know, just like firebomb her mentions with congratulations. She'll be totally confused because she got married like a month ago at this point. (laughs) Uh, But she took amazing pictures and and, uh, she deserves it all. (laughs) And by the way, she's a
3: she's a delightful presence and she married um, like a bona fide hunk so i I, from just from a overall objective standpoint i feel that dan i'm correct to say that to say that uh
2: yeah i would say he's he's a hottie and she uh looks exact i think she always aspired to be a disney princess and she looks like one and she sings like one and what a producer uh as well so like one of those like triple threats don't you agree ricky
8: I do, actually. And I was the one that
1: texted Sydney in our group saying congratulations before any of you. And I told you about her wedding and sent her the pictures. So don't make it out. Don't make it out like I'm sitting here like mad. (laughs) I was the one that sent the screenshots and was like,
6: you looked amazing. So Sydney's. so great.
2: The, the fact that in your you left were, hand right were. now you have a uh sydney voodoo doll and you're sticking <laughs> pins in it that's not like in a wedding dress
3: yeah no 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 that, that just it's a look-alike <laughs> separate situation yeah right, sure. right
2: right <laughs> sydney we love you congratulations and uh best of luck to everything to come because yes uh now married and hopefully kids on the way that that really does make the holidays special i loved it was your christmas good greg Oh yeah, it was
4: great. Yeah, uh, was you're the right. Kid, kids, kids make it whole. Um, the big gifts. The boy got a skateboard, train set. I mean, it was all. It was fun. It was yes. a lot of fun. Very good. It really yes. is like you know their best day of the year, or it's up there. You know, you you hope it like reaches like their expectations, then it does, and you feel like you want. The children's You have to best work hard to year. screw
3: it up too. So.
4: Right, that's true. It's like Mark's impossible. worst day of the year, kids' best day of the year. <laughs> no,
3: no, no. Like, like you asked me. I think we think overall it was. I would call it a mixed bag of a day. But the better part um, with the children was it, was fantastic. It was out. tough.
2: You know, we're watching those games on Saturday, and it was like, shoot, this is what we were worried about with that with how that Saturday was going to play out. But you you came through it all right again, Mark. You've been such a pro during this uh, take slump. I have to say. i gotta figure out something to put it down the resume it's like
3: well we'll make wrong takes we'll continue to show up and punch the clock and you know (laughs) do the things. so
2: all right good stuff we'll be back on tuesday the return of connie fox she'll be sitting on the show on tuesday uh so make sure you check that out uh thank you for everybody for to listen for listening merry christmas uh, happy Boxing Day and uh, New Year's Eve coming up right around the corner. Still the holiday season. Get loose, everybody. All right. Till then, Tuesday, that is. Keep the call.